Welcome to The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. My goal with this show is to help educate, encourage, and support those that are struggling with their mental health by sharing my own stories, as well as the stories of others, to show you that you are not alone and you can do anything if you work hard and put your wondering mind to it. So let's get started. In today's episode, I chat with Dr. Beth about what sex positivity is, why it's so important, and how it can help lead you to living your very best and most authentic life. So if you'd like to learn more, then keep on listening. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This show is in no way meant to treat or diagnose any type of mental illness. I am not a mental health professional, simply just someone who has struggled and felt called to share what I've learned and am learning along my mental health journey. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Wondering Mind podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. Joining me today, I have Dr. Beth. She's a sex positive therapist, and we're going to be diving into sex positivity today. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm excited to chat with you and learn more about what exactly sex positivity is and all the surrounding avenues because quite honestly sex is not something I'm super comfortable talking about and I think that's kind of what drew me to reaching out to you I was like I feel like a lot of people feel the same way and it definitely ties into mental health so I'm very excited to hear what you have to say today yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a very important topic. And I think a lot of people are really uncomfortable talking about sex, which is curious because we wouldn't be here. None of us would be here if sex didn't happen. So, you know, it's it's so fundamentally important to kind of who we are and how we are, and that we we live in such a sex negative culture where we've been you know, raised with shame and we've been told that sex isn't okay to talk about. We've associated sex with a lot of fear instead of pleasure and enjoyment and exploration. So I'm excited to talk about it today. Me too. And that kind of actually, I want to kind of touch on what you said, because the fact that part of our society does stigmatize it and kind of put it in a negative category, but then you also have the other side of society that like worship sex and uses it for pop culture and exploits women and uses all this propaganda if you will to entice consumers in a way people to buy their product or you know whatever it may be so yeah it's just it's really crazy it's kind of a a mind fuck if you will yeah It, it really is. There's so many mixed messages about sex and sexuality. And I think that, you know, part of the reason of it being so shamed and so secretive is why so many capitalistic marketers have utilized sex as it's supposed to be alluring. It's supposed to be kind of dangerous. It's supposed to be, you know, they, they use it as a way it's like, oh, like if this is so sexy and sold in this way, it's sort of this ideal of how you're supposed to kind of be or how you're supposed to present yourself. A lot of that actually comes from kind of, again, it's like what sex negativity does to us. If we put sex on the fringes, people are going to use it to exploit. And there's a lot of beautiful and sexy things around, you know, and I think that there's a way that we can connect with that without it being exploitative or without it kind of creating negative self-confidence or self-esteem in people, you know, because so much of feeling good about our sex and sexuality really starts with us. It's not even about how we relate to other people. It's so much more about how we relate to ourselves and our bodies. So let's dive into why you decided to choose a career in sex positivity. 
Absolutely. You know, I grew up in a fairly conservative family in a rural part of Pennsylvania. So I definitely did not grow up in a super liberal family. We're talking about sex and masturbation was open and a dialogue. It was, it was definitely not discussed that much. And so I think like many people, I, you know, was exposed to, I think the general sex negativity, but, you know, through my, my work, particularly getting my doctorate in psychology and really taking an interest in gender and sexual identities and really celebrating all types of sexual orientations, celebrating all different types of relationship structures. You know, I think so much of my work as a psychologist is to help people find their authenticity, to live their life in a way that feels the most comfortable for them. And so more and more that led to really embracing sex positivity. It's really hard to encourage somebody to you know, welcome all parts of themselves if they're not feeling sex positive, if they're not relating to their body in a positive way. And I just want to say sex positivity also means welcoming asexuality. You know, it's not, it's really welcoming all different types of sex and sexuality and celebrating that. And I think for me, the more I dove into that professionally, I really got to see my clients flourish. And to be quite honest, when I think about my own journey towards sex positivity, it's really helped me to feel more comfortable in my body, feel more confident, walk around with a sense of relationship with my body. I don't live in shame. I don't live in fear. And so I have lived that the more sex positive you are, the more confident you are, the better that you feel. So for me, it, there's only been you know, wonderful explorations that have come out of becoming more sex positive. And so, you know, for me, it was something very organic and something very, you know, natural. And, you know, I do work in the San Francisco Bay area. I do work with very progressive clients. And I think that I have seen the beauty that comes from that progressive way of being with sex and sexuality and sexual orientation. And I feel very dedicated to continuing that work. And so my own journey into sex and sex positivity has really been a convoluted one. And I say that, you know, as somebody who is a rape survivor, somebody that has gone through the trauma of that, had to overcome my own shame around my body to really get to a place where here I am at 41 years old, like being hella sex positive. I don't want to get too much into your personal story, but for those that have been through a traumatic experience like that, where they have such severe shame associated and tied to sex in their life, what is some advice you could provide them or maybe from your own personal journey that has helped you to kind of break free from that shame? Yeah, I will let you know. I mean, this has a lot to do with why I even became a psychologist to begin with is I was raped at 15. I didn't tell anybody that it happened. I felt like it was my fault because you victim shame yourself. And I didn't understand what had happened. I thought it was my fault because I drank and passed out somewhere and I shouldn't have been drinking. So I felt like it was my fault for drinking that while I was passed out, I was raped. And so I ended up experiencing a lot of trauma as a result of that and severe depressed mood. My grades plummeted. I pulled away from my friends and this was all in high school. And I, I knew that there was something wrong with me, you know, sort of psychologically, I just wasn't doing well. Um, I was a pretty outgoing kid and I started to become really introverted and unlike myself. So I told my mom, I was like, I think I need to go talk to somebody. And luckily my parents are you know, not conservative enough that they shamed me for wanting to go see a therapist. And I met with a psychologist and in only six sessions as a 15 year old girl, I was I able to recognize like you were raped. This was not consensual. You were passed out. This is not how you wanted to technically lose your virginity, you know, and being able to so quickly got to a place of recognizing what had happened to me, that it wasn't my fault, that it was the fault of the boy that did this to me, really was, I think, the first step. And then actually, several years later, after I graduated from college, I became a rape crisis advocate. So I met rape survivors in the hospital. It's like when they, when they came there, some were abused and all were traumatized. And I would sit with them while they got their medical rape kits and just to provide them with somebody to be with so they weren't alone. And that was transformative as well. So it really allowed me 
to move my own trauma into a place of care for others. I was like, I was, I felt so shamed. I wanted to make sure to be there for people so that they maybe didn't experience that shame. And they were met immediately with compassion and care. And that's, that's actually what helped me to make the decision to become a psychologist. I was like, this is my calling. I like being with people when they're going through difficult times. And I see how wonderful that is to have somebody else there to be a part of your journey when, when you're struggling. That's incredible. And I hate that you had to go through something so traumatic, but it's so crazy because I feel like with so many different folks, whenever they do face hardships like this, if they allow themselves to, it's like they blossom and they find something positive from the situation and amazing things begin to happen. Absolutely. And I think the reclaiming of my own sexuality, my ex-positivity is a big fuck you to the person who raped me. It's like, you cannot take this away from me. This is mine. I get to own this. I get to celebrate this. So it's really been a long journey. Again, both the professional aspect of it, learning about, you know, sexuality and on sex positivity, learning about the negative impacts on mental well-being with sex negativity and integrating that into my own personal experience. So it's really been a nice blending of my personal and professional worlds to get to the place that I'm at. I love it. It fits so perfectly. And because you experience something like that, you're even more so able to help other folks in their situations because you've been there. So you can provide even more guidance for them. That's amazing. So for you, why is sex positivity so important? Why should we learn about sex positivity? Sex and sexuality and sex positivity are such a staple of who we are and how we inhabit our bodies. We live in our bodies and we expect them to go through a lot of trials and tribulations every day. We expect them to sit at an office or go into work. We stress them out a lot. We have them encounter challenging things, whether it's a pandemic or political unrest. Sex and sexuality and feeling good and pleasure are one of the ways that we can actually take care of our body. I mean, it is a self-care practice to masturbate. It is a self-care practice to be sexually engaged with yourself or with other people or multiple other people. So I actually see it as such a foundational way of taking care of our mental wellness. But sex positivity in general is, it's a lot of unpacking of indoctrination that we have had from a culture that is very puritanical, that is very conservative, that has really shamed our bodies. And this has come from certain religious approaches or more fundamentalist ways of being. This has come from very conservative ways of viewing what a family is. I mean, it goes into so much about what our collective culture is. Becoming sex positive, what it really means is approaching sex and sexuality with openness, with curiosity, with interest, with pleasure. Not just associating sex with unwanted pregnancy and sexually transmitted infections. Yeah, that's important to know about, but a lot of what sex positivity is, is celebrating all of the things related to our own sexual identity, whatever that means, and celebrating it with ourselves and the world around us. And again, I think that there's so many people that carry so much shame about their bodies or about their bodily fluids or... They watch movies and they think that sex and sexiness needs to look a particular way without kind of the realness and the appreciation for like what the body is and fluids it emits and smells that it makes um, and all of the things that are really normal about bodies. And I think that sex positivity embraces all of those normal things about our bodies and takes shame away from it. And I think when we're able to move shame away, we move into a place of pleasure that is really limitless. It sounds like it's really about just kind of realizing the simplistic factor of the matter that sex is part of human nature. It's how we got here. And to stop listening to everything else around us and what society thinks and says and just listen to our bodies. 
absolutely. Like we are animals. I love how much humans forget that we we're animals like any other animals. Yes. We're a little bit different. We live in houses that we build out of strange materials, but like all in all, we do a lot of the same thing that other animals do. We go to the bathroom, we eat, we sleep and we have sex. You know, I think that the idea of somehow dehumanizing sex and making it into this intellectual or rigid context or saying it only is okay if it looks like this is really, really dangerous because we don't, we don't actually see that at all in the animal kingdom. That's not what it looks like. You know, they're really open with, you know, like, Hey, you're cute. Let me touch your parts or this feels good. Let's keep doing this to each other. Oh, we want another monkey to play with us. Great. Let's do it. I think that there's a lot that we can learn um, when we take our brains out of it, because we have brought in these sort of overlays of, you know, again, sex shame. That's what sex negativity is. And we've accepted it as normal. And there's nothing less normal than sex negativity. Again, sex has been happening for as long as there have been humans. It is so fundamental and it is so important. So the idea that it's a negative thing just inherently doesn't fucking make sense to me. Well said. And, you know, with the whole sex negativity thing and bringing it back to kind of an unlearning process that we're going to have to move forward with. I remember when I was in high school, I had my first boyfriend at, I think we were like, I don't know. I would say like 15, you know, we were exploring and figuring things out, but I had this insane anxiety and paranoia of, I cannot get pregnant. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't let anything happen. I wouldn't allow myself to explore, you know, any further. And your parents are always on top of you with, you know, keep the door open. You can't do this and that, which I get. Uh, But the point is, It was already ingrained in my mind that sex equals getting pregnant. Getting pregnant is bad. Don't do it. Yeah. And how how are you supposed to have a good relationship with sex and your body when you're associating, you know, fear and anxiety with sex and, and connection? Like we really fail our students across this country by not providing them with proper sex education, which to me should absolutely be based in consent and pleasure first. This is a very pleasurable thing. This is a very exciting thing. This is a very healthy thing to do. However, it needs to be consensual. You need to talk about what you're doing with the person or persons that you're doing it with. You need to make sure that you're all on board. And once you have consent, great. Have tons of fun. Make it be pleasurable. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, and by the way, this is how you get pregnant. And we're going to be really fucking explicit about it. So pay attention to that. So if you don't want to get pregnant, do these things. And by the way, every once in a while, you can acquire a sexually transmitted infection. And it's not really a great thing to do because then you could spread it to somebody else. And there may or may not be implications of how that affects your health, both short-term and long-term. So know about those things and then have protected sex and then have consensual sex and then engage in the playfulness of it. But instead our sex education is usually based in either abstinence, which is just don't do it, or you're gonna get pregnant or slut shaming. If you have sex early, there's something wrong with you or it's based on you know SDIs and fear. So, you know, I think it goes back to kind of, I think there's really healthy and great ways to talk to young people about sex and sexuality. So many young people have had the experience of being caught masturbating and being shamed for that experience. And this is not because they were doing something wrong. It's because it's totally fucking normal to explore your body. And you know what? You don't often hit your head against the wall because it hurts, but then sometimes you touch different parts of your body and it feels good. So why wouldn't you do that? And I think that there are ways that we can talk to our, you know, our kids about that saying, Hey, There's ways that you can touch yourself and it feels really good. And this is a great way to take care of yourself. And then we can talk to them about where is the appropriate place to do that? It's not in the classroom and this is why, but it's a really great thing that you could do in your bedroom and with consenting others, particularly when you get to an age where you're able to consent to that experience. I think, you know, a lot of it starts with younger people. And I will also say, you know, as somebody that's worked with a lot of clients throughout my years as being a licensed psychologist that a lot of people's parents just 
didn't talk about sex with them. There was just no information. And so where are you getting it? You're talking to your friends that also probably didn't get great sex ed education, or they're getting it from their older siblings who probably didn't get great sex education, or they're getting it from porn, which is an inaccurate representation of sex and sexuality because it's one often of perfection. It's like really beautiful shots and great makeup and no one's farting. And it, there is, you know, if there's bodily fluids there, they're there to be intentional. And there's particular camera angles and there's editing. So it is a great place to receive entertainment, but it's not a great place to receive education. There's so many things that you just said that I want to dive into real quickly. So the first thing being how the education process starts revolving around sex at a young age in schools. You are 100% correct. It is absolutely terrible. In high school, I don't even think I had a legit sex ed class. I think it was maybe we watched like one video one time and it was obviously geared towards negativity. So it was about pregnancy, STDs, and all the dark sides, you know, or the negative aspects of having sex. And so as an anxious person in general and not even knowing that I was an anxious person in high school, all these facts and information and the sex negativity starts to snowball. And with the parents, it's probably them not feeling comfortable enough, not knowing how to approach the conversation. So they just don't have it. From your perspective, is there advice that you could give to parents who may be listening or people that know parents that could pass this information on as to how they could approach their children or their teenager in this type of a situation? Yeah. And I will start by saying I am not a parenting expert. However, <laughs> I will say that it, this started from somewhere. It's not yeah. about, you know, what parents can or cannot say to their kids. I'll get to that in a minute. The first step is the parents need to be sex positive. The parents need to do their own work around sex and sexuality. They need to feel comfortable talking about sex. They need to feel comfortable talking about masturbation. They need to do the work first. That's actually where it needs to, to start because one of the challenges is for all of the people across the world who didn't get good sex education, that happened because the generation above them, they're sex negative and they got a shitty sex education. So it needs to first start with parents looking at their own relationship with sex and sexuality and really being honest. Do I feel comfortable with my own sexuality? Do I feel comfortable with sex? Do I recognize, did I actually think about the type of relationship that I'm in and look at all of the other options? And did I actually do the work to confirm that the relationship I'm in with the person or persons that I'm in with, do I consent to this? Is this what I want? Because if you haven't done that work, how are you possibly going to tell your kids what they're supposed to do? Because what tends to happen, you know, I'm thinking a more heteronormative, monogamous inclined way of being. It's like, well, I picked a spouse that's of the opposite sex and we just have um, sex with each other. I guess our sex is okay enough we don't really talk about what's pleasurable for one another. And I haven't actually thought about another relationship I might want to be in. So how is that person possibly informed enough to help their child? They're not, they haven't done the work themselves. So I would say the very first place for a parent to start is like, be really honest with yourself. Like, what do you know about different relationship styles? What do you know about different sexual orientations? What do you know about sex negativity, sex positivity? And are you comfortable with your own body? And once you've done that work, it's going to be really fucking easy to talk to your kids because you're going to realize there's not shame around this. You can talk to your kids and be honest with them. Masturbation feels good. Let's talk about it. It's something that is a great way for you to feel better and take care of yourself and to self-regulate. Let's talk about what it means to have really awesome consensual sex that's pleasure-filled and exciting. And the only way you get there is to talk really openly about what you like and what you don't like then it becomes a really obvious conversation to have. So I would say not necessarily about finding the right words. It's more about doing the right work. Which can be tricky because I feel that my parents' generation, I don't know what that generation would be, but I feel like they didn't 
do that. They don't know how to do that inner work. It's not something they're programmed or they're used to seeing or hearing about. And so it's just passed on. And luckily with our generation and Generation Z, I feel like it's becoming way more culturally appropriate and talked about and accepted to think like this, to be more open-minded. You bring up a really interesting point, which is if you, for whatever reason, don't feel comfortable doing the work on yourself to figure out your own sexual identity, I, in one way that brings some sadness in for me, because that means that, you know, whoever these parents are, they're sort of choosing not to kind of explore this amazing realm of sex positivity for themselves. But if you want to live that way, that's your choice. You get to choose not to engage in, in sex and sexuality and pleasure in that way. But you would also be able to say to your child, listen, I never grew up with really great models of even knowing what to talk about sex and sexuality. So I want to be able to have these conversations with you, but I have a hard time talking about this. So I don't want you to have the same experience that I did around sex negativity. So you know what? Here's some books, here's some podcasts, here's some information of other people that can say it better and know it better, but at least now you have the information. And by me even giving you this sex positive information, I am bestowing it with the parental approval seal. And so that also could be another way to support the next generation if you haven't done the work yourself. I think that's a great suggestion and a very positive and for some easier, if you will, approach. So do you have any podcasts or books that you could recommend? So there is a book called Come As You Are, and it is an absolutely magical book, particularly about people who are assigned female at birth. And it's about female sexuality. And I think it's a must read for anybody who either is curious about female sexuality, is a female or wants to have sex or a relationship with anybody that's a female. I, I wish it was required reading for anybody that wants to have sex with anybody that is female identified or was assigned female at birth because it talks a lot about biologically what's happening related to sex and sexuality. And then there's two really great podcasts that I think are really accessible and easy to come by. And so one is Savage Lovecast. So this is the one that I think that I've known the longest and that really helped my journey with sex positivity. But this is Dan Savage's podcast. It's called The Lovecast and it's a really great one. And then there is also There's Sex Out Loud, which is another another really great podcast. And it is hosted by a woman who also has a bunch of books in the sex positive category, Tristan Termino. Just like with anything else, it's like the more you know, the more you learn about certain things, and in this particular situation, sex positivity, the less frightening or uncomfortable things start to become. And it almost just starts to feel like it was always a thing and it's, you know, you've always had this comfortable factor relating to whatever subject. So yeah, I think it's so important to just do some research. And if you're, you know, you're curious or you're have questions, there's so many things at our fingertips these days and we can just Google things and find a plethora of information. And also too, just having conversations like this where we can let folks know that it's okay and it's normal and for you to want to explore and learn is also okay. It's more than okay. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you just said that because I think if people are looking for ways that they can actively become more sex positive, a lot of it also starts with how are you receiving information and listening to it from other people? Because if somebody opens up to you or even makes a joke right, about something sexually related, you have a choice of how you respond to that. Right. So if somebody is saying, oh, gosh, you know, my partner wants to try this sexual thing and like, oh, God, I think it's like I'm not OK with it. It's like you have an opportunity to say, like, well, let's talk about what's not OK about that. And like, what about it, it feels uncomfortable and explore it more. You don't have to immediately go like, oh, that's so gross. That's so fucked up. Or, you know, if people are making jokes about different types of sex or sexual interests, you have a choice of how you respond to that. You have a sex negative response or you get to have a sex positive response. And I think that this happens all the time. Like, oh, there's something in the news about 
I think it's an actor. His name is, I think, Army Hammer. Oh, I saw that. And some things come out. I don't know the details of what this person's sex life is like, but it really upset me because I thought, my goodness, did personal conversations that are kink related get exposed to the world? And is this person being kink shamed for something that could have been a consensual conversation? And it's like, we don't have that information, but if we're going to come slam somebody before we even know that information, you know what, the person on the receiving end, if those are, I don't, I don't know if it happened or if it didn't, it might've been a consensual experience. And if somebody wants to feel owned and that makes them feel sexy and somebody wants to claim them as an owner and that feels sexy to them, fuck yes. Fuck yes, that's consensual. It's awesome. And so I just use that as an example that as a society, we're so quick to shame people. And it's like, why? Like just, we can be curious. So I invite people to really think about how you respond to even things that you watch in movies and become a little bit more aware of sex negative things that we see in front of us on TV shows and films. Because once you start to open your eyes to these messages, you're like, dang, this is being shoved down my throat in a way that is not consensual, right? <laughs> um, like, I don't want this, you know? And so I think the more we kind of open, we open our eyes, I think the more we're able to really start to see just how significant the, the matrix is. And then we can kind of break out of it the more we do that work. A lot of it too, again, has to do with what people don't know, what they're unfamiliar with automatically resorts to feeling of being scared or fearful or dismissive. You know, the wall goes up, the judgments come out. And again, a lot of this, this whole subject in itself, it all relates to mental health. So if you're not self-aware, if you're not already working on yourself, if you're not in tune with who you are as a human being, all of those negative aspects regarding sex will come out in full force. Absolutely. The two go hand in hand. It's so true. And I just want to say, like, I, I think a lot about, you know, what it would be like if, you know, at a young age, we had a lot of models of what not only sex could look like, but what relationships can look like. And also letting people know that asexuality is real and it's a spectrum. So if you're, if you don't feel sexual, if you don't even have those feelings, Cool, great. Part of sex positivity is making space for people that don't want that experience. They don't want to be sexually intimate in certain ways. Or even knowing, you know, using asexuality as an example, what a lot of people don't realize is that there are a lot of people that are asexual. They may still have sex at times. They may also really enjoy cuddling and kissing and flirting and all these different things. So that as an example, or another example is, we don't have enough relationship models. People are sold this belief that monogamy is a long-term partnership that's monogamous, is some ultimate goal. And it's like, why? That's only one way of being. Did you actually do the work to think about if you actually want to do that? Some people may want multiple long-term relationships throughout the course of their life. Some people may want multiple concurrent relationships. Some people want to have sex with just one person. Some people like the idea of having sex with many people. And if we give people the awareness that these are all options and you get to choose from them, I think that this is actually a really important part of really trying to turn the tables and turn the tides. Because I think that just because people get exposed to these ideas and these ways of being doesn't mean they're going to pick them, but they're probably going to feel a lot better about the decision that they do pick. If you go to like a candy store and there's only one type of candy, well, you're going to think that that candy tastes really good. But if there's a lot of other candy that you've never tried and you didn't even know was an option for you, you might not want that one piece of candy that you've only been exposed to. I love that example. And you're so right. I mean, when we open our minds to all the possibilities regarding sex positivity and the fact that, again... We're animals and it's not super normal to just have one partner for life. I mean, it is obviously what we've kind of grown accustomed to. But again, that is not the only option and we shouldn't 
shame other folks who choose to live their life differently in that sense because that's what they want to do like let them live you know what how how does it affect you oh that's right it doesn't and exactly just like you said the more you know the more you learn the more you talk the more you communicate and open up and choose to have these discussions and use your resources everything becomes so much better Absolutely. And I think regarding, you know, the integration of mental health and mental wellness, I also think this goes into relationship health. I think that we like not all people, right? But there are some people that let's say they are engaged in a monogamous relationship. They have beliefs that their partner should never be sexually attracted to anyone else other than them and vice versa, that they should never be attracted to anybody else other than their partner. And for me, I'm like, not only is that shit crazy to me, that feels really unhealthy because here's the thing. Sometimes we just find other people sexually attractive. It doesn't mean we act on it. It doesn't mean we can't control ourselves, but it does mean that sometimes somebody walks by and we're like, damn, (laughs) she's fucking hot, you know, And, and that's okay. And That's not a bad thing. And I think that couples would really benefit from being able to talk really openly about their sexuality with one another, because it doesn't end with your partner. Your sexuality is yours. It is yours. You have ownership over your sexuality and your sexual identity. And so to be able to talk to your partner about, yeah, these are the things that I find sexy, or tell me what you find sexy. When couples are able to do that, those are couples that have such awesome communication. Those are couples that have such great sex. Those are couples where there are not things that they feel shamed around. So they have good conversations. They are honest and disclosive to one another. And I think that there's a lot of fear that if you're even having a small attraction to somebody that that's somehow a bad thing. And it's like, no, just talk about it. Make it normal. It's like, of course your husband or your wife is going to find somebody else attractive. You don't need to feel scared about that. Celebrate the fact that, yeah, you're right. That person is attractive or tell me why you find them attractive. I'm really curious about that and trust that they are choosing to be in a monogamous relationship with you. Trust that they are consenting to that and that they are able to quote unquote control themselves. Because I think that a lot of, again, this is very sex negative to me that it's like, we need to pretend again in certain traditional partnerships that people aren't attracted to other people. I just think that that, how does that not breed you know, so much negativity and shame and silence in a partnership. And as somebody that also works with couples in couples therapy, I think it's so important to just embrace one's sexuality and be able to talk about it openly with your partner. I love that you brought that subject up because I think a lot of couples struggle with that. And again, it kind of brings it back to the mental health aspect where if you're in a relationship, there might be aspects to the relationship that are great and very healthy. But when it comes to certain insecurities, probably around sex and the fact that you brought up, you know, of thinking other folks are attractive and then not either hiding it from your partner, feeling ashamed because you had those thoughts, not feeling comfortable or confident enough to share with your partner. And, you know, and it it's such a common thing. And I love that you just said, you know especially to it, it will also allow you to recognize if this is a person you should be in a relationship with a monogamous relationship with, because one, it's like, are you able to trust that person? If yes, then you should be able to have an open conversation regarding the fact that either one of you may have had some thoughts about someone else. And then you can move forward in a positive way from that. If you're not, if you don't find your partner trustworthy, then there's probably some stuff that you should be working on. There's and considering. Much, yes, there's yeah. much deeper issues there. Much and, deeper you know, issues. And it's I'm so a, common. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm a huge fan of elective monogamy. So elective monogamy are two people that are engaged in a monogamous relationship and they have decided that they only want to be with each other and have sex with one another, but they have talked about why that is. They have talked about why that makes sense for them. They have talked about why that supports their relationship and their partnership. They have talked about why those those boundaries and restrictions and agreements and consensual dynamics fit best for the relationship because so many people engage in default monogamy 
where it's just like, oh, yeah. oh well, we're just exclusive now. We're not going to talk about why we're doing that, but we've just been told this is the best way to be. And it's like, well, gosh, that isn't a conscious relationship to me. You're not actually having the real conversations that I think are important. So I'm a huge fan of elective monogamy. I think monogamy can be a really beautiful and wonderful thing when it's consensual and when you're electively choosing to do it. And when you have actually said, you know what, we're doing this with one another because we actually think that this is the best thing for us. And here's why. Not we think it's the best thing for us because we were told it's best. Not this is the best thing for us because otherwise our friends are going to shame us, right? It's we actually think this is the thing that helps our relationship to grow the best and to be the best that it can be. And I, I think that we would have a lot less marital and couple distress if people could have these conversations a little bit more openly. I'm very fascinated by that name, the elective what is it? Elective monogamy. Yeah. I've never heard of that. And, but it makes so much sense. And it also kind of reverts back to the fact that, you know, if you're in a partnership with someone and communication is lacking, or again, you don't feel comfortable speaking to them about your wants and your needs, or you don't even know what you want or you need, then maybe, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship. It's like, there's so many different facets to sex positivity, sex, and relationships Mm. that go hand in hand that can make it so complicated. And again, having these conversations, educating yourself on relationships, the types of relationships, sex and sex positivity can make decisions within your relationships so much more clear and easier. But again, our society is so stuck on the traditional monogamy. This is the path that you take. This is how it's supposed to be. Don't ask questions. Just go with the flow and do this. Yeah, absolutely. And and don't get me wrong, there there's tons of people in wildly happy, healthy, monogamous partnerships and they yes, are yes. freaky and sex positive <laughs> and they're trying all sorts of Hell new things God. and they know what they like and you know, they're like, "Hey, you know what? I need a break from the kids. I'm going to go upstairs and masturbate. Can you watch them for 15 minutes?" And their Love partners that. like fuck yes, enjoy yourself. So those relationships exist and that's fucking awesome. But I I think that there are a lot of people that are very far from that. Um, And there's so much shame that's brought into the relationship and that's really going to start to impact mental wellness and how we take care of our relationship and how we take care of ourselves. So really sex positivity is, it's, it's not just about like this ideal that it's like, oh, that would be nice. I mean, we're talking about the basis of healthy relationships, healthy relationship with self, healthy explorations of pleasure. I mean, it's really such a wonderful basis to really, and I like the word that you talked about blossoming in reference to my experience, but I think that that blossoming is available for everybody. And honestly, it starts with just exploring your body. It starts with like getting to the place of recognizing it's your body. You get to touch it. There's not shame in that. Learning what feels good. Maybe watching some porn. Think about like just what feelings come up when you watch it. Do you feel uncomfortable? Do you feel curious? Do you feel titillated? That's just going to give you information. But if you are shaming yourself so much that you've never even looked at any porn, I, it's like, well, it's really great entertainment at the very least. Like, you know, <laughs> I think that it's, it's just a really important thing to kind of get, really start with the self, start with your own body, read books, read erotica, look at pictures, look at porn, go to sex positive sex shops. And really start with yourself because that's what's needed to then bring that into a partnership. It's going to be hard for people that are more sex negative to be in a relationship with people that are sex positive. Because once you sort of go sex positive and you start to feel that freedom and you start to know that confidence in yourself, you don't want to be exposed to shame anymore. You don't want to be with somebody that's like, ew, that's gross. Why would you recommend that? And it's like, well, I don't want to have sex with that person. That person is trying to make me feel bad about something that feels good for me that I don't want to be in this relationship. So the good news is, is usually when you start to do the work on like blossoming into that sex positivity, you start to bring in partners that are also going to be able to meet you there. And hopefully you can grow in that space even further together. That's beautiful and very true. Also have a question for maybe the folks that are kind of struggling right now. 
what would you say would be an ideal situation or a question to ask yourself to maybe decide whether or not you should see a sex positive therapist for assistance? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that if you are interested in doing this work or you've noticed that you struggle with self-esteem issues around your body, when you engage with partners, you're feeling a lot of shame or discomfort or worry about being judged. When you're not having the confidence to you know, feel good touching yourself or touching somebody else, and you've tried other strategies to see if you can work through it, either read books or listen to podcasts, and you're still kind of having a hard time doing it on your own, meeting with a sex positive therapist is just going to allow you to thrive so much more in that space because you're going to have somebody there that's like in your corner, that's encouraging you, that's going to walk on that journey and in that path for you. And even through talking with them, I mean, I've had so many clients that they don't even want to use the word orgasm. That, that word for them, they're shamed of even talking about it. There is such a diversity of people that have internalized sex negativity in such significant ways that I think that being able to have somebody that's a sex positive therapist there with you as you go through that journey, that's not going to shame you, that's going to go at the pace that feels right for you, can be just a really helpful thing. And again, it's not just about, it's not, I don't want to say that sex positivity is just about sex. It is about confidence. It is about self-esteem. It is about well-being. It is about feeling holistically integrated into yourself on a day-to-day and moment-to-moment basis. So I just really want to highlight that as anybody who also does the same work that I do, we know that when people feel good about sex, sexuality, sexual orientation, sexual relationships, sexual pleasure, that they are clued in to so many different parts of their emotional well-being and their communication with other people is usually pretty good. So it opens up so much about different aspects that aren't even related to sex and sexuality. I'm really glad you brought that up and made that statement and clarified that because again, I think with certain titles like sex positivity, you just think about sex. You don't think about all the different positive aspects that when you have a healthy relationship with sex with your partner, it also in turn allows you to have a healthy relationship with yourself and it can in so many ways ease so many I don't know what the term I should use is discomforts or irregularities within your own mind about life in general and I'm really glad that you that you clarified that for folks because it's not just about sex it's about your well-being as a whole This amazing thing happens when you move into sex positivity and you also learn to feel pleasure in your own body is you start to really fucking love and appreciate your body. It's like, I don't give a shit if I'm a couple pounds overweight or these pants don't fit me anymore because you know what? I feel fucking good in my body, you know? So you (laughs) start to let go of a lot of this superficiality because it doesn't fucking matter. Right. And I think that that to me is why sex positivity is so important. It's also about having a relationship with ourselves that's based in openness, that's based in acceptance, that's based in goodness, that's based in pleasure. And that has so much to do with mental wellness. It does. And again, super excited you brought that up because that's a huge part of so many people's trauma and insecurities is when they do watch porn or they watch a romantic movie or they see something or someone that radiates what sex quote unquote should look like and be like and their body just doesn't match up to those expectations the insecurities come rushing in and it can affect your sex life in such a dramatic way which can then in turn affect your relationship and then it can also obviously affect the relationship you have with yourself so again the importance of sex positivity is it includes so many different aspects of your life and it can free so many different things up and make you live a happier and healthier and anxiety free life honestly yes absolutely because confidence is the antidote to anxiety It's really hard to feel anxious when we feel really confident and good. And I want to also just mention that, 
you know, sex positivity has a lot of friends. It's really good friends with body positivity, for example. There's a lot of things that happen that kind of get spawned off of sex positivity. I also think it makes us much more open-minded and receptive to other ways of being. And I also want to emphasize that just because we're open to other ways of being doesn't mean we want all of those other ways of being. And I think it's really important that people recognize the difference. You may not want to engage in that type of kinky sex, but as you mentioned earlier, if it's not upsetting you and it's not impacting you and somebody else is consenting to it, then fuck yes for them. So sex positivity is also just making space for other people's expression and other people's way of being and trusting that they know what feels good for them. And then we spend a lot less time in a place of criticism and shaming other people. And that in general is also good for our mental wellness and our health. So basically just working on sex positivity is going to improve your life in a million different ways and everyone should start on their sex positive journey. (laughs) Absolutely. Basically is what we're trying to tell everyone. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. What is the best piece of advice that you can give the listeners that you've learned throughout your either career or your personal life revolving around sex positivity? You know, I think that there is a lot of freedom There's a lot of freedom and openness that comes from exploring this space. And once you gain access to it, it's like you can't go back. And so you just sort of move into this place that's more confident, where you feel better connected to yourself and everybody else around you, because you're not coming from a place of creating walls, either to yourself or to other people, but a place where you're unguarded and you're more open. And so I think that there is kind of a freedom that comes with this that is so joyful and really takes away a lot of anxieties and shame and negativity and criticism and makes us feel better connected again, not only to ourselves, but to everybody else who shares that same sort of ethos and acceptance and understanding. Well, I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. I learned some stuff today and I really hope that the listeners did too. Thank you so much. And for the listeners, if they would like to follow you on social media or set up an appointment, can you give some of your info so that they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram at psych downloads. You can also find out more about me and my practice at www.integrativecounseling.com. I am a licensed psychologist in the state of California, and I offer both remote therapy exclusively right now and also in person. And I also serve as the clinical director to a small group practice called Our Therapy, ourtherapy.com that serves non-traditional communities. So that's including kink knowledgeable, trans and non-binary knowledgeable, poly knowledgeable therapy. Thank you so much. This was awesome to have you on the show. Loved speaking with you today. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Wondering Mind podcast. Until next time, maintain your brain and keep on wondering. Thank you for listening to the Wondering Mind podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you wouldn't mind just taking a few moments and leaving us a review, letting us know what you think of the podcast. Also, Feel free to follow us on Instagram at the Wondering Mind Podcast and on Twitter at TWM Podcast. <laughs>